The episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you're about to listen to discusses the following works, Tiger King, S-Town, The Hunt, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Westworld. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. joining us. Hi everybody. So these are um, strange days, right? Strange strange time to be doing a, a podcast. We're recording this and we've been quarantined because of coronavirus for two weeks. Two weeks Our huh? classes are all online. We've, we've barely left the house. Um, yeah, we've been leaving the house just to get groceries pretty much. So yeah. I think that's the situation everybody's finding them in, themselves in or should be finding themselves in. Yeah, so we, we gave a little thought to just putting this on hold, like um, lots of other things are on hold. But we have heard from some of our listeners, and it, it seems like people are enjoying this. Um, the last one came out two weeks ago, just as it was starting for yeah, us. Yeah. So I, I think we'll, we'll finish out the season. Um, so we had planned on doing an episode on His Dark Materials, um, the Philip Pullman um, trilogy of books with a handful of other books that go along with it. In part because HBO is has just uh, is doing the whole series um, and has just finished wrapped up um, airing the Golden Compass, yeah. which is the first book in the series. Yeah, um, and I think we'll do that in two weeks. But um, a feature of being quarantined, um, as everybody knows, is suddenly you start binge watching. Right? Um, mm-hmm. We're we're big fans of binge watching, but we almost never have time to do it. And haven't had too much time here either because we've got a lot of projects that are coming due. But right, but a shout have... out. Oh, God! I was gonna say shout out to my sister who recommended a particular show for us, and so we thought, why not? It's seven episodes, and it's something that everybody's um, watching. Seemingly, it was number one in the nation uh, when I looked yesterday. So yeah, and so um, we watched it and thought, wow, there's a lot of good philosophical stuff, and well. I- I don't know that I had exactly that reaction. <laughs> we'll see. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it is. That, that was sort of my take. S-Town. No, no, not S-Town, but practically S-Town. Um, Tiger King. Tiger King. Okay, so if you've, if you've not seen Tiger King, um, it's only seven episodes. They're all less than an hour. Turn this off right now. Um, go watch it real quick. Come back in seven hours and 15 minutes. And before you're expecting this to be just like some Camus novel based on the idea that we're saying it has philosophical content, it almost has philosophical content in spite of itself. Yeah, I, I would say, it, it, <laughs> at, you know, I want to revise my earlier position. It has literally zero philosophical content. However, raises lots of philosophical issues. There you, right? go. So, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It's not saying a lot, right? right. So last uh, last episode was on the seventh seal. I think I don't want to go out on too much of a limb, but I think Bergman was making some points. Yeah. <laughs> and I th- well, I think the filmmakers here were too, but there's not a lot of philosophical reflection coming from the cast. The subject so matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in fact, some of these people almost certainly spell philosophy with an F. <laughs> Maybe even two Fs. <laughs> um, so, set up. Um, basically, the show is seven episodes um, exploring these various people in the country who are engaged, who are involved in um, exotic animal, the exotic animal world for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. So they're, um, I, they either have private zoos, most of them have something like yeah. private zoos, or they're collectors, what have you. And it focuses primarily on this guy who calls himself Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic, yeah. It's Joe Maldonado something or other. It's hyphenated through his various marriages, but He's, he's Joe Exotic. Yeah, and, and most of the people have zoos. Um, some of the folks just have um, big trucks, you know, um, semis, and they mm-hmm. got exotic animals in the back, and they go to malls and, mm-hmm. and do showings and, um, and whatnot. Um, yeah, and the, the common denominator of all the people they're focusing on here um, is they have big cats. They don't just have big cats, right? They've got alligators and snakes and... Um, I've seen some bears or whatnot, but it's these are it's the the world of big cat private zoos mm-hmm. essentially. So yeah, and right out of the gate, I'm you know when when you're thinking about so I, I think it's the the storytelling is really good, and you you are fascinated. I know my reaction was just to be fascinated by the characters because you just don't meet people like that every day. And all of the characters are really unusual, like mm-hmm. really unusual. I mean, I just remember how many times just in the first episode, I looked over at you like, whoa, you know. Um, so, for example, Joe Exotic, he has all these tigers. Um, and But in addition to that, he's uh, he, he has several husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at going at once. Right, they're, they're all polygamous. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like this. for some reason, polygamy runs like in the field. They're, yeah. The people who want to have big cats also want to have lots of spouses. Yeah, um, lots of them started as magicians, right? So it's it's magical polygamists with, with big cats. And some of them are really, like, think they're zen. And it's, yeah, it's unusual. Interesting note about the show. People are able to say tiger and leave it at that without any problem. But as soon as someone says lion... They always say, and tigers and bears. And, and, and not intentionally. It's, just, it's like so ingrained in them. It's like, yeah, we got lions and tigers and bears. And then, of course, we would watch and both say, oh, my. Yeah, I think um, one, of the th- one of the primary reactions I had to watching the show was um, just the, the wide range of human personalities that exist. And I also thought, you know, there's some pretty bad stuff going on here, um, you know, in terms of how animals are being treated and also in terms of how other be- other human beings are being treated. Mm-hmm. Um, although sometimes it's ethically ambiguous. We'll talk a little bit about that. But, um, but I'm also thinking like how, you know, sometimes we lose sight, I think, of how complicated human beings are, right? And so that becomes very easy to engage in like cancel culture and you know, casting blame in, mm-hmm. in, in ways that like look that 
it seems like it should be really straightforward to say this person's a bad person because they did a bad action. Right. And right. the characters involved in this engage in plenty of bad actions. Mm-hmm. And you're still kind of just like, well, wh- consider all these factors, though. Um, some of them are, it, it's odd that some of them are very poor and some of them are very rich, but they all have a similar aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it seems like plenty of them were, um, you know, removed from their families' homes in their early teens. Raised you know, poor for the most part. Yeah, and so those that are Sexually rich... assaulted in some uh-huh. cases. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I think is interesting about the show is that they, they mention that there's drug use going on, particularly they mention that there's meth use going on, but they don't really explore how that factors into the storyline. And mm-hmm. I suspect it factors into what's going on a lot more heavily. Yeah, I mean, there, there's one sort of big mention of it, and it seems to come with lots of explanatory power, but then it's sort of not applied mm-hmm. elsewhere. So one of the topics we're going to talk about a little later um, will have to do with, you know, presentation of material. And I, mm-hmm. I think that point should come up in that context again, um, just because you can imagine a way that this story might have been portrayed that would leave you with very different impressions yeah. of mm-hmm. the people, different, you know, the assessment that you're supposed to have of certain people's characters. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you might be more um, empathetic or, you know, mm-hmm. I would be, I, yeah. People have different responses to things. I already, even the way the story was told, I came away with a decent amount of empathy, even though bad things were going on. Yeah, same. And beings were being harmed, like, pretty significantly. So, yeah, the, as my students say, the whole thing was a cluster thing. And so, um, <laughs> you know, you, you, it's hard not to be empathetic to that, right? It just, everybody in it's like thrust into this really, really, really ugly scenario. Which is why uh, I think the whole series, even though we watched it and were very entertained by it, um, raises some of the same like ethical issues that S-Town raised. So uh, in case viewers aren't familiar with S-Town, S-Town was a... Um, I can't remember exactly what its connection was to Serial, but it was like it was funded by the same folks, I think. Yeah, it was um, just the second This American Life. Season. It was not the second season of Serial. Oh, that's right. There was a site. Was it the third season? No, it wasn't it wasn't that? it wasn't Serial. It's its own distinct podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's I think it's associated with has like some of the same executive producers or Right. It's, and I think, it's associated I think it's with This American definitely Life. Definitely into This American yeah. Life product. Yeah. 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 So, uh, um you know, so some of the moral issues that came up with S-Town is that um, some of the characters had like a similar aesthetic to what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's poverty and there's um, drug use and, the, and, and, um, uh, and discussion not, of a person's sexuality. Yeah, non-standard sexual practices, whatever that amounts to. Yeah, and people thought it was, you know, really good storytelling, but kind of exploitative. Mm-hmm. And you might think that the same is true about uh, Tiger King. Yeah, just a little more about S-Town. So we had an ethics bowl case about it a few years back, right? Mm-hmm. And so the issue was that the person being interviewed by the This American Life um, producer or host, um, you know, had agreed to do this thing because they were investigating a murder and all that. And then um, through the course of the, the interviews, the, the person being interviewed um, committed suicide, right? So, of course... Mm-hmm. The focus of the whole thing changes, and now it's this person's life. It's a character study. Yeah. It was a really fascinating character study. And so on the one hand, I'm kind of inclined to say we shouldn't 
it's important to tell stories about a wide range of characters. Um, and and I, I actually think it's a good thing that the story about a guy like the one that appeared in Nest Town was told. Because mm-hmm. when you hear different kinds of stories, it makes you empathetic in different kinds of ways. Right. But you might wonder if he ascended to that. So he agreed to be interviewed, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think what he agreed to was something, you know, at least in his own mind, related to the investigation of a murder and not the look what a tragic whatever you figure, know, I figure am. he is. Yeah. And so with um, Tiger King, we get something sort of similar. So I don't know the nature of the agreements between the producers and the, the people making the show, but, um, you know, the, the, the main character, Joe Exotic, um, is somebody that, you know, craves publicity, right? Mm-hmm. The producers of the show would have recognized in him. I mean, so he had a, his web TV show, Joe TV or Joe Exotic TV. Mm-hmm. Um, they were making a reality show about him that they were trying to sell. You know, he ran for political office multiple times. President. He was on John Oliver. Did you say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. right, yeah. He was on um, last week, tonight with John Oliver, and they were sort of presenting him as a fool. And he thought, look, it's the greatest thing ever, right? Yeah, they were making fun of him. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, so this is, you know, the, the makers of the documentary would have to have realized this is someone that seeks any kind of attention at all. Um, and there's something, I wonder if it's not exploitative in saying, okay, well, you know, sure, you're signing of your own free will um, to do this, but yet there it is. And except for to him, He's not coming off looking good. I mean, Neither are really any of the characters in the show. I mean, I, I, I think it's it could be exploitative on more than one level. Although, I don't know that that's my all things considered opinion about it. I mean, um, you could just understand this as being good journalism. And, you know, they were um, offered the opportunity. Right. I mean, th- they could have presented themselves in any way they liked. Mm-hmm. And they... Uh, they uh, decided to present themselves in this way, right? They, those yeah. are choices. So let's, let's, let's do a, a different take on that. So one of the characters, um, a bit of a spoiler, but again, if you follow our advice about eight minutes ago, recording time, you turned it off and went and watched the whole seven hours. <laughs> um, one of the characters, um, one of Joe Exotic's husbands, um, was videotaped a lot because they were recording the the television show and they were recording the reality show mm-hmm. um, and he commits suicide. Yeah. Right. So now we don't have an agreement with the producers and this person. Right. And that, mm-hmm. and that was presented. I mean, so they actually showed kind of showed it on screen. What they showed is as it happened, the camera was on somebody reacting to it, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know if I'm that guy's parent or, friend or some mm-hmm. such and I'm just mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. what the heck right this is yeah this you know really violent death um he shot himself right it wasn't you know skulking away in his sleep um mm-hmm. if you can do that peacefully you know <laughs> and a bunch of pills um so yeah so it's it's at least a little worrisome for me okay yeah but then but then you know I think Again, the other side of it is, if you say there are certain kinds of stories, that, if you can only tell the kinds of stories where tragic things like that don't happen, then 
you know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm all for the free speech and, you know, the, the people that could consent, did consent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean some versions of it aren't going to be more exploitative than others sure. and more sensationalized. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when you first started watching, um, I'm guessing like me, you didn't know what to expect and you thought, oh, look at all these cartoony people, right? You, you had no idea the depths to which yeah. this was going, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. how dark it was going to end up being. Yeah. All right, let's change gears a little bit. Um, certainly, you know, some of the, the big um, philosophical issues raised by this, and again, as we said, not necessarily, you know, brought up overtly, although one issue we're going to talk about is, is mentioned, um, are issues pertaining, pertaining to animal rights and animal welfare. Mm-hmm. So just to provide a little more background, um, there's a, a murder for hire, right? And, and that, that has its own set of moral issues, of course. Um, it, it doesn't occur, um, but Joe Exotic is, has um, tried to hire someone to kill his um, big cat animal zoo rival, Carol Baskin. And when you say it doesn't occur, you mean that the murder doesn't occur. Yeah, yeah. Carol Baskin's fine if anyone's, anyone's <laughs> worried about her sitting on her giant pile of money. Um, okay, so he's, he's in jail, and they're charging him with something like 19 counts, right? And some of them pertain to the, the plot to murder Carol Baskin, um, but quite a few um, pertain to um, animal rights issues, right? So... Um, He's um, been breeding and selling endangered species. He's euthanized lots of animals. They, you know, they went digging around his zoo and found the skulls of several tigers he shot in the head and so forth. And um, one of the, the issues that, that gets raised um, by a newscaster, I, I think it was the newscaster, in, in the show is like, boy, this isn't going to play well with the jury at all. You, know, you, you go to murder somebody. And, um, you know, people don't like that, but they find out you've been abusing animals and mm-hmm. that's it. You know, all bets are off, right? Now you're, you're a reprehensible person. And so Rachel and I were talking about that. And it's, it's an interesting thing because I, I suspect the person that said that, um, you know, got up the next morning and, and perhaps had some bacon, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, yeah. might have gone to McDonald's later that day. And so there's this idea in our society that people that abuse animals, you know, are, are reprehensible and yet, mm-hmm. you know, we've got, you know, the, the kind of cruelty you see in factory farms, you know, mm-hmm. occurring daily. And, and mm-hmm. that's a part of people's everyday life, even though they're not focused on it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, this is one of these tendencies we have to value beings for morally irrelevant reasons. Right. So the morally relevant reasons to value animals might be something like, uh, they're the kinds of beings that can suffer. They're the kinds of beings that can experience happiness. Or maybe you're the kind of person that thinks that all life has inherent value. And so the like inherent worth and dignity of beings is what gives us moral obligations. But what we tend to do instead, you know, just in our ordinary decision making is to say this animal's cute. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really going on here aesthetically is that tigers are cool, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so... Um, when people are reacting to things happening to tigers, they're more concerned about it than they are with other animals. And in fact, they think it's no big deal when it comes to other, uh, other kinds of animals. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. So, you know, depending, I mean, if you've got some, you know, beast of burden, an ox or something, and it's mm-hmm. not plowing your field fast enough, 
Um, I don't know if they still do that, but back when I was a kid, <laughs> they would just hook up a plow to an ox, and then some guy would, would go around whipping it. Or if, if, if you're watching the Kentucky Derby, right, and there are the jockeys are just whipping the, the horses' hindquarters to make them go faster and faster. And it, um, But yeah, it's a, a different part of the aesthetic. So that's just sort of one thing that I think is, is um, that's a terrible expression to use right now, but food for thought, um, <laughs> is, you know, if, if, if people hold those views that, you know, um, harming animals is really reprehensible, shouldn't there be kind of a wide-scale um, social change? So I'll, I'll say this. Joe Exotic, um, abuse of animals, presented as a monster. Um, but I suspect the number of animals he's abused in his life um, isn't that much greater than the number of animals most people abuse if you count participating in factory farms and things like that mm -hmm. as abuse, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take an average person in the United States that has steak three times a month, you know, and you add that up for, you know, a whole long time and hamburgers and hot dogs and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and all of that. And then you add on top of it that this one guy shot several, you know, seven adult tigers or something, right? It, that's going to be a kind of a small percentage. Yeah. Not that that should get him off the hook. No, I mean, that's um, a terrible thing to do, but yeah. Well, Tolans, as they say, right? Go <laughs> in the other direction with that. Um, so that was one thing that, that just sort of struck me as interesting was like, they're actually doing this, oh, animal abuse is so terrible kind of thing. Um, and yet, you know, it's, there's a bigger issue out there. Um, the other issue is, you know, the, the breeding of um, tigers in captivity. So one argument that was made in the film is, you know, you, you can't breed tigers and sell them because they're an endangered species. Um, and so a, a character made the point that, well, on the one hand, you say they're endangered. On the other hand, we're making more of them. Um, so those seem at odds, but there's a really good, perfectly yeah, reasonable response to that. Yeah, I think, too, well, just to uh, further the point that they were making in the, the show, not that I agree with it, but it is that actually there are more um, of some of these animals bred in captivity than actually exist. Yeah, five yeah. to 10,000 in the United States in captivity, mm -hmm. 4,000 in the wild. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I think, uh, but breeding in captivity, I mean, there's lots of problems with breeding in captivity, um, but one of the things, you actually see this in the, in the show, um, the animals are removed from their mothers immediately. You know, mm -hmm. they're born and they're, you know, dragged mm -hmm. away and, uh, um, you know, sold. Right. So, so that's, you, are, you might already think that's a cruel practice. Um, we're, so it's not that, you know, greater numbers of these animals um, is inherently valuable, right? If, if the kinds of lives that they're going to be living are right. not the kinds of lives where you can flourish as the kind of being that you are. And just to, to illustrate that or to, to sort of you know, make the picture clear, um, in addition to being yanked from their mother's, they're just put in little tiny cages, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these, these cages are about the size of the backseat of mm -hmm. our car. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a mini. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a big car. And, and that's where they stay until mm -hmm. they've outlived their usefulness. And, and their usefulness for these folks is defined by, you know, an age where kids can't come and pet them and pay $40 or $100 for Take a photo picture op taken with them. Yeah. at the mall. And, and then they're just breeding. And then when they're not breeding anymore, 
they're they're done right mm-hmm. so it's 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 a miserable kind of existence and they pretty clearly seem doped up the whole time and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of that so there's that issue they don't have lives worth living mm-hmm. um the other issue um when we talked about this you brought up you know, some might be inclined to think that well, if you breed these animals, then there are more more of them ex- can exist, and then you can release them into the wild. But that really isn't how things work. Yeah. You know, animals bred and raised in captivity during their young years don't do well um, released back into the wild. And and also nobody's nobody's going to be doing that anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The They're... reason why they breed these animals is to make money. Right. Uh, they possess them to keep them in their zoos or to haul them to the malls for the photo ops. And... There's no real chance that that, they're, that these are go- these beings are going back out into like a natural na- where they would live naturally. Um, and even if they did, it would be unlikely that they would survive because I mean think about you know species <laughs> species learn how to survive by learning in an environment by learning from their from other members of their species in that environment over the course of years yeah right? and those those critical years where they're um, or even it doesn't even have to be years those critical weeks and months at the beginning of their life where they would be learning essential lessons they're learning something totally different instead like right. i mean the the uh in in joe exotics zoo what these animals are being fed is um, meat that is collected from dumpsters at the back of Walmart. You know, yeah. expired meat. <laughs> that expired. And, and who are they feeding that to? They're feeding it both to the animals and to the employees. Yeah, it's terrible. They, they go through the truck as it gets in and they find things that are not that expired that uh-huh. look like they might be good. And, and Joe Exotic, you know, he's ever the salesman. He says, well, you know, what happens as somebody brings it up to the, the counter, it's perfectly good roast. Um, their credit card's declined. Legally, Walmart can't put it back on the shelf, so they give it to us, right? And then they show the guys sifting through, and it's all this stuff that had expired you know, yeah. days or weeks ago. Pre-packaged um, yeah. frozen beef or something like yeah. that. Just like, that's not what happened. A ham that's been sitting in lightly refrigerated um, containers for, you know, 14 weeks or yeah. something. And um, yeah, it, it just looks awful. Yeah, you know, when we think, boy, people shouldn't have to eat that. The, the cats will eat anything because they're starving to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't They don't need that, that either, so. Even Joe Exotic by the end of the series, you know, and I don't know at what point they recorded this part of the interview, but um, um, he's saying, did I deprive, you know, he's saying, he's talking about, because in addition to tigers, he's got like chimpanzees. And mm-hmm. honestly, that might even be a more significant problem because of the cognitive capacities of chimpanzees being, and they're being kept in these really small cages. And he's talking, he said, he gave his chimpanzees to a chimpanzee sanctuary that saves them from uh, conditions like this. And the, immediately the chimpanzees ran to each other and embraced, uh, when they were and yeah, and, yeah. and they had been kept in like separate and small cages and um, uh, he's like well and they're roaming around and he's like did I deprive my animals of this yeah I did yeah you know and he seemed remorseful about it yeah and then interestingly um, you know when when he was isolated in prison um, he saw as a way to to help with his case right he got what was it some I don't know how many years he got sentenced to. Yeah, it was, he was going to die there. It was, it was a, you know, or at least people were, his friends were thinking that he likely would. Yeah, yeah, 70 years or some ridiculous amount. But he thought he could mitigate that 
you know, if some of the other people involved were shown to be involved as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he calls up PETA and he's like, yeah, so it's this crazy you know, alliance. I'm going to help you um, bring these these um, big cat zoos down and I'll tell you everything you know, you know, thinking like, well, you know, normally you make a deal with the court, right? You, you, your lawyer says to the other lawyer, okay, my client will report this crime if you lower his sentence. But, you know, Joe Exotic, who's just a lunatic, it's like, I'm going to get this, I'm just going to tell stuff to PETA yeah. and that'll, yeah. that'll get my sentence reduced. And part of what's interesting about that is, you know, in the start of the movie, you know, they, or the series, a, a lot of the footage is from his TV show and it just shows him shooting guns, right? So he's got a mannequin of Carol Baskin um, and he, you know, blows that up a lot of times. He puts explosives in it and then shoots it, you mm-hmm. know, into the explosive. Um, but he's shooting a, a pita truck, right? He's, he's got yeah. this this assault rifle and, you know, he's like, Pita, I hate these guys. And so, Not like a live pita truck with people in it or something. Yeah, he just got a crappy truck on his property that he wrote pita on. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Strange, strange bedfellows there. This show and, and shows like it, I think, raise um, some sort of interesting questions um, about narrative. Right. So when we started, you were giving a little background. Um, you were drawing a comparison with the podcast S Town. I think there's there's also you know a sort of interesting comparison to be made between um, this documentary and reality TV. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's not reality TV because it's a documentary. But beyond that, I'm not sure to what extent that it's not. So one of the mm-hmm. one of the issues I wanted to raise. Um, has to do with with you know controlling the narrative right so this is a true story it's it's presented as true we talked about you know the sensational way that things get presented that it, it could maybe mm-hmm. be exploitative um a little bit but then there, there's other questions maybe pertaining to truth right these are epistemic issues so um yeah i like to watch um i know you do too um some of these shows on HGTV, right? Um, mm-hmm. that, that people will, you know, love it or list it. They're, they're mm-hmm. having their house redone and they're either gonna, you know, sell the house or and buy a new one or stay in the remodeled house and it's a competition. Or, mm-hmm. you know, house hunters where people will look at, you know, three or four different houses and then, well, which one are they going to pick? Um, and it, Property Brothers, same thing. I've read about all of these, it turns out that this narrative they're presenting is kind of false. That, you know, um, the, the people like on House Hunters will often buy a house, they'll show their house, they'll do a thing that looks like they're looking at it. Mm-hmm. And then after the fact, sometimes months after the fact, they'll have them walking through other houses going, ooh, this one's nice, but I don't like the carpet or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So, you know, you can, you can edit these things in such a way um, that you know, you you present a picture of reality, even though everything people are seeing is true and happened, that that's not accurate. And I wonder about this show in particular, right? So, mm-hmm. um, at times I I thought that they were presenting sort of you know good versus evil thing where Carol Baskin is good and and um, Joe Exotic's evil, but then they they seem to kind of back away from that. But at, at various times, they were, you know, presenting her in such a way. So she's got this this 
similar kind of zoo, but it's rescue animals. But they never really pursue what that means, right? So there's like, and I think this is one of these choices, and that's why you're bringing it up, obviously. But that it's one of these choices where it's, you know, hey, tell us, tell us what's really going on here, because they've got Joe Exotic suggesting that she's just doing the same thing he is and putting a different spin on it, and she's insisting that that's not the case. But they explore his his. Um, zoo in a way that they don't explore her sanctuary like how big is it how many animals are there Mm -hmm. right and certainly her background with her first husband they were doing the exact same thing right it wasn't a rescue operation but but there's some reason to think that her husband was kind of like joe exotic and then she grew tired of that and that she didn't like the way the animals were being treated and turned in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So. And, and maybe killed her husband, right? That's one of the things that, <laughs> that they talk about. So yeah, this is what I've been kind of watching it, right? They, so they present this as like, oh, this guy, Joe Exotic, he's crazy, he's bad, he's, he's in prison, he's paying the price. Um, you could have edited that just slightly differently and the story would be evil Carol Baskin with this, this big cat thing that has its origins and something just like his. And she killed her husband and fed him to a tiger. And good old Joe Exotic is the only one telling that story, right? He's and you could you could focus more on. I mean, she just sues him for everything. I mean, she sues him for way more than he could possibly pay back. Right. And that's what kind of causes him to go off the rails. Sues him right out of. She's got like twenty million dollars uh, that she inherited from her husband, who she maybe killed, uh, to just harass Joe Exotic. Yeah, yeah. And he's harassing her too, of course, but... Yeah, so you you get that kind of narrative. Um, You you get the narrative about the business partners um, where, you know, there's some reason to think that they were involved in the murder-for-hire scheme. Um, And they they show that a little bit, but they don't really pursue it. They don't edit it in such a way, Mm -hmm. right? So I think there's... There's a kind of conspiracy theory I want to promote about these types of shows in general. The, <laughs> the commitment to having a really sensational product um, maybe undermines the veracity of what they're doing. Again, even if everything is true, even if everything you see on screen is just actual footage, right? People should be wary of the narrative. Um, related to that, um, just a, another epistemic issue, right? There's this expression that there's no honor amongst thieves. You wonder about the people, um, especially Joe and his partner and their partners. At every turn, they make really stupid decisions, right? So Joe's being sued by Carol. So he meets this guy, um, Lowe, and um, says, tell you what, you seem like a good guy, right? Lowe's a con man. He knows it. He's calling him a con man. He has this evidence. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, I like this guy. I'm going to put my business in your name. That way she can't sue him. We'll just have it together. So he does it. Then now the, the farm's in his name, um, or the zoo, and he starts running things and doing things differently. And Joe's like, what are you doing? And, and you just kind of wonder, right? You had all the evidence that you needed. And then Lowe goes into business with this other guy, right? Um, and they're going to redo the farm. And then but Lowe's got no money and the other guy's like oh yeah i'm doing all the work and putting up all the money um but you know he he invested maybe a million dollars in this business and didn't look to see if the other guy had a penny to his name Mm -hmm. right um or was willing to work or anything Mm -hmm. um 
And you see this over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Carol Baskin forms this alliance with this, you know, philandering con man that, you know, um, you know, he's got a history of affairs and um, he's ripping people off and he's got this bad business. And then she suddenly gets very upset when he's talking about leaving her. Right? Uh -huh. And like, what did you think was going to happen? Right. How did you how did you think this was going to end? So, right. Yeah. All right. So epistemic issues, moral issues, um, aesthetic issues, um, you know, animal rights issues, all these things aside, put this on, turn off your brain, watch it. It's the most fun seven hours you're going to have, um, at least while you can't leave the house. That's sort of my final, final take on uh, But uh, just as, as a caveat to that, um, you know, there, there is discussion of animal abuse and stuff like that. So uh, those parts aren't fun. And if, you, if, if that kind of stuff is really hard for you to listen to, maybe it's not the show for you. Yeah, and also, if you like a really cheesy 1980s southern rock video aesthetic, um, <laughs> not that this happened in the 80s, it's just where Joe's it at. It seems like they're stuck in the 80s, um, yeah. He's, he's got some killer videos. Music uh, videos for you. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a rocker. Okay, right. What, what are we liking this week? Well, we've been quarantined, so uh, we haven't been to the movies much. Um, but it, one thing that listeners might want to know if they don't already is that um, that they've started releasing movies that are would otherwise only be available in the theater uh, to rent uh, on different s streaming services. So I know we got one to watch on Amazon. Right, right. right. Uh, and I think that they're doing it on DirecTV too. Is that right? Right, and Comcast and their on-demand formats. Yeah. So, so. we ch we uh, rented The Hunt, which is fun. I uh, I don't know if we want to say too much about it because it's a spoiler kind of thing. Yeah, maybe just the one um, bit. I hope this isn't too spoilery. Is it's got sort of certain political implications mm -hmm. that make it really fun. I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. you know um, a hunting movie. Kind, or hunting people sort of movie and um, there's there's a fun twist so you, you might enjoy that um, okay other things that that we're liking um, curb your enthusiasm wrapped up oh, mm -hmm. final take on that I, I thought this was a great season <laughs> so goofy yeah <laughs> um, not not as good in my opinion as the you know seasons two through five or so but better than it's been in kind of a pretty long time I thought the previous season, um, was sort of lame. Um, and I thought, oh, he's going out with a whimper. You never know if there's going to be another season. He's got the option to do it. Larry David does. Um, if he feels like it, he will. If not, he won't. But this was this was vintage stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really good. Um, Westworld's back. So we've seen a couple episodes there. Um, I, I love Westworld. I did a book um, with Josh Heater, Westworld and Philosophy, um, Open Court Publisher, if, if people are interested in that. Um, that. So the story picks up um, sort of after the fall of Westworld or maybe the first fall of Westworld. One thing that people didn't seem to like much about the second season is that the plot was so convoluted in combination with their sort of characteristic 
Um, you never know where you are in the timeline. Things mm -hmm. are just presented and then later tied together. That the producers had promised to, um, to you know, not do that with the third season. It would be more like the first, where they did some of that, um, but in inter interesting ways. And it was basically just a couple of storylines going on mm -hmm. and, you know, not every single character in one of 10 potential timelines, right? Um, so the first episode comes on, everything's happening synchronously. It's all, um, you know, unfolding kind of a lot of action. The characters um, that are, you know, running in parallel meet up at the end. So you say, aha, everything happened at the same time. The storylines are clear. It's great. Episode two comes on mm -hmm. and um, I thought it was fantastic. However, if you have that concern about it, um, you're back to not knowing where things are happening, when things are happening, and you don't know who's real, right? Mm -hmm. I, I take it to be a virtue of the show, but I know a lot of people, um, people aren't crazy about that aspect of it. All right, so the other thing, um, this is a, a not liking, but rather missing, um, missing having John Oliver on, right? This is a, a something that we look forward to on Sunday nights when it's mm -hmm. in season, and so... He shut the show down temporarily with a fantastic last episode that people can stream on YouTube if they don't have HBO. Um, recommend watching it. Um, but now I have to get my political news from some other source. I'd probably just go to Reddit. So. <laughs> Okay, Rach, that's a wrap. Another episode is in the can, and once again, everything has come up Charbonneau. Please visit our webpage, that's I think ifan.com, all one word, to find out about upcoming episodes. If you would like to support I Think Therefore I Fan, please go to the webpage, click on the link at the top of the page that says Donate, and follow the instructions. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. It helps. See you next time.